Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The Julia Hartley Brewer Podcast. Ruthless but fair. Julia Hartley Brewer. Comprehensive coverage of all the new stories that matter to you. Harder, older, Hartley Brewer. The Julia Hartley Brewer Podcast from Talk Radio. Welcome back to the show. I'm Julia Hartley Brewer. You're with Talk TV. Now, Britain's population is set to go to 70 million by 2026. That's according to official estimates, 10 years sooner than expected. And 92% of the growth we're going to see all the way to 2036 is being put down to net immigration. Well, joining me now to discuss this is Gavin Rice. He's director for Onwards Future of Conservatism Project. He's also a former special advisor to Brexit secretary. That was Steve Barclay back around 2019-2020, rather crucial times, the heady days, eh? Uh, Gavin, thanks for joining us. Still with us is Benedict Spence as well. Um, These figures are, I mean, they really are quite astonishing. They're astonishing and yet not surprising, given the numbers. Um, now, the Office of National Statistics put these figures out yesterday. It had been expected that sometime in the mid-2030s, we would see a population rise from 67 million to 70 million. That's now going to happen by 2026. It's going to be 73.7 million by 2036. 92% of that due to more people coming to the country than leaving, rather than us all having babies. It's 6.5 million more people, which is the equivalent of five cities the size of Birmingham. Given that they've had to adjust these projections already and given that their projections are based on a level of immigration which is far lower than we currently have, and certainly in the last couple of years, it's touched 745,000, these these projections are already skewed, aren't they? They're already probably wrong and underestimating how many people we have in the country. Well, it's quite possible that that is the case. I mean, what we've actually found throughout this entire uh, question of the net migration figures uh, that we've had since we left the European Union is that every single time there have been a set of official projections about what we're likely to see, those figures have ended up being wrong. So initially... It was and, just, and always in the same direction. That's right. So first of all, it was a post-pandemic um, a spike because obviously no one could really come here during 2020 to 2021. So we said oh, it was just kind of pent-up demand. Then people yeah. said, well, it's, uh, it's an exceptional case because of Ukraine and the schemes that we had for Syria and Hong Kong. And I'm very supportive of those schemes. But what's clearly going on... Uh, as more statistics come out, as, as projections are revised upwards, is that we realise actually it's not those one-off specific schemes. Well, those have impacted the figures. Of course they have. that doesn't account for all of it. No, 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 that's right. But what has clearly happened is that there is actually um, a problem with the fundamental migration system that was implemented after we left the European Union. Most people were voting for immigration rules to be tightened if they voted to leave the EU. There's good polling that suggests mm-hmm. and supports that. But actually what we've found is a much more liberal migration yeah. regime with numbers 
double to treble what they wore before we left the EU. And again, it was this, I was found absolutely fascinated that people who voted Brexit were called racist because they wanted to limit mass immigration from Europe. Uh, and now we've got mass immigration again, both perfectly legal. We're not talking about the people coming on the, the, the dinghies uh, illegally. We're talking about mass immigration, absolutely legal. People given visas for them, their families to come and work, study here um, uh, or come with their families uh, from across the world. Um, and that raises other cultural implications as well. But let's talk first of all about the economics, because we've been told for years by the great and the good that mass immigration or immigration is good. It's a good thing. Um, now, we know that small levels of immigration is a good thing in terms of being able to pick and choose you know, the brightest and the best, uh, bringing in key workers and the like. But we also now are seeing more and more evidence and things that people like me have always suspected were true anyway, which is that actually bringing in millions and millions of people, often on very low-paid work, if at all, and their dependents, doesn't benefit the average Briton. It might be good if you own a business and you want cheap labour and you, don't, you, want, you want to have a, a mass big pool of people to hire from and you don't mind the taxpayer picking up the bill for their housing benefit to pay their rent when you don't pay them enough to afford to live anywhere. Um, that's just fine. But if you don't build houses, you don't build GP surgeries, train doctors, train teachers, build more schools, uh, build more, more roads and parking spaces, you, know, you end up basically impacting on the, the homegrown nation uh, uh, more so. Do you think that anyone in the top echelons of government and the civil service and people and business, do any of them understand this? I think they do. I mean, the question of whether immigration is good for the economy is the million dollar question. And I think the question is for who and what do you measure? So does it increase the overall GDP figures? Yes, unsurprisingly, because you're adding more people to the country. Therefore, there's more you know, people in work, there's more transactions. But it doesn't actually make us richer on a per person or per capita basis. So then the argument becomes, well, you're bringing in people with high skills who are high earners. The evidence suggests that's not what's been going on. The biggest growth uh, in employed um, economic migration has actually been in care work, which yeah. is very low paid, often on the, the minimum the, wage. The reason why they have to bring in people is because homegrown people won't do it. Well, I mean, that's the argument that's often put forward. But actually, the Migration Advisory Committee, the official body that advises the government on this, suggested that if, actually, if you increased pay per hour by just exactly. one pound, mm. then you could actually solve the labour shortage yeah. in the care sector. So it's kind of short-termism yeah. because we, we don't want to spend the money now. But actually, if someone's coming in to work on a very low wage, what ends up happening is you end up subsidising them in other ways yeah. because they consume more yeah. benefits And, and again, we're, that's the thing. We're always told, oh, but these people, they're working. So, okay. No, but you have to earn at least 40 grand a year to be a net contributor to this country. Or thereabouts, yeah. yeah. I mean, and most people don't earn that and never will earn that. Well, that's right. And, and this is before you start thinking about infrastructure and yeah. housing. The UK has already got a four million house um, housing shortage. Yeah. Now, uh, we're not building anything like the rate we would need I mean, to. When they, give, when they say we're building 200,000 houses a year, are those actually completed well, homes, not houses, a lot of them are apartments. Are those homes that are actually completed? Someone's literally got the keys, they're, they're bringing their sofa in. Or are they just homes that are started? Not because either way, most of those homes we know they're, they're unaffordable apartments. That, you know, four hundred grand. Most people can't afford that. Well, that's right. And of course, one of the reasons they are so expensive is because demand for housing massively outstrips yeah. supply. You know, how the average house is now about I think eight, nine, ten times um, the average salary in the nineteen seventies when my parents were buying a house. Yeah. It was about. Three times. Yeah. So, um, I mean, at the end of the day, housing will become more expensive if you are increasing the population uh, faster than you're building houses. Yeah. And, and we've seen that with rents as well. And a third of the population, rent, those rents have gone sky high and in fact increasing. And poor old Benedict nodding away there as someone who's renting, wanting to save up to buy. And in that predicament, uh, we'll come to you on that. Again, it's not just it's not just the economic side of things, you know, access to GPs. Things. People say, oh, well, these people are working in the NHS. 
Well, not all of them are. A few you know, tens of thousands are. But also, by the way, we, you know, we just choose not to train up enough people. We make a choice, a political choice, an economic choice, not to pay to train Brits already here in this country who want to be and have got the A-level grades to train to be nurses, to be doctors. And then we import people from other countries saying, well, we haven't got enough doctors and nurses. But it was a choice to do that. Now, yeah. again, then you might want to have fill in the shortfall. But again, long term, that's not viable. And it's not what any other sensible country does in the first world. Let's talk about the cultural implications, though. It's the thing that everyone gets very wary about, but it is a very big impact. I'm very aware. I live in, you know, I live in very multicultural, very diverse, very multi-ethnic uh, London. Um, and my daughter attends a school, there, although a private school. Again, all of those things, very, very, very diverse. But the difference for middle classes is that when, when you are having people from many different countries come to live in, the, in, in this country... Again, I think colour's completely irrelevant. I don't think most people in Britain think it's remotely relevant. We are a very, very welcoming country. The racial, racial differences are, well, until people started talking about it constantly, we're just totally falling by the wayside for the vast majority of us. Um, but when you have people come to this country, like, it, you know, dealing with people who are you know, middle-class professionals, who speak perfect English, who share the same values, share the same cultural beliefs uh, and, 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 as, as people largely do in this country, not an issue. Oh, and we've got some lovely delis and local restaurants. How lovely. Uh, and that's what a lot of middle-class people who make these decisions think. But actually, for the average working-class person, having people arrive who living next door. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Attending their local school, don't speak the language at all, at all in many cases, particularly with women, um, whose, whose, whose children arrive at the school not speaking the language. My local school, the average, most, the, the officer reports, you know, 75% of children arrive not speaking English. Now, I'm sorry, that has an impact at the school gate. Community cohesion, not sharing some of the, the faith-based values of our country as a Christian heritage country in terms of tolerance, in terms of equality, in terms of individual freedom. When people arrive en masse in their hundreds of thousands from other countries where they don't share our values, our cultural, political norms, belief in democracy and like that, there is an impact. But our politicians 
haven't wanted to talk about it, have they? Well, I think most British people um, are tolerant people. Uh, I think, you know, there is a good deal of support for a low level of immigration, provided mm. is it, it is sufficiently selective, and provided that um, there is a good, you know, um, a good positive story of social cohesion when people do come here. And I think it's entirely legitimate to raise some of those concerns about, especially things like language barriers, things like the pace of cultural change, if people are feeling as though their communities are, are, are changing in ways they no, haven't I don't like that word yeah. feeling. They're not um, feeling. Their local communities are changing. Well, no, when indeed, when yeah. half the shop fronts in a local area aren't in English, the signs are in another language, whatever that language, that language is Polish or, or, or Arabic or, or, you know, Urdu, that is a cultural change. And people, people aren't feeling it. They know it. I think it's sort of gaslighting people to say, well, you feel it. No, it is. Well, no, I agree with you, absolutely. This, this is happening, but it's also something which is being picked up in opinion polling. Yeah. So two weeks ago, my organisation, Onward, published a report, Reality Check, um, which um, inquired into people's attitudes towards immigration. And what we actually found is over 70% of people thought it was too high. That was true across age brackets. So it's not only old mm. people living in the provinces, that was young people as well. And we asked them the reasons. And yes, they talked about economics and housing, especially the younger voters and the effect on pay. But they also talked about their communities changing around them, concerns about language. And actually, if you've got a school in an inner city or urban area where there's multiple first languages, it can actually be really difficult to manage that from a public yeah. services perspective. Yeah. And it's understandable if people feel as though their own child is not getting the best education possible yeah. because of yeah. language barriers. And when, you know, nobody's blaming people coming to this country seeking a better life. It's the policy that's the problem. Yeah, no, absolutely. Again, want a better life for your family, absolutely. Although I would have thought if you want a better life for your family, learning the language of the country you've chosen to move to would be my number one. Couldn't priority. agree more. We should be more um, insistent about that. We look at the MMR outbreak. Again, everyone was tiptoeing around this. Not on my show. The MMR outbreak in, in, in Birmingham, they said it was largely among ethnic minority communities where the women not only didn't speak English, they were unable to read in their own native language. And therefore, they were so having leaflets about getting your kid MMR'd in the native language of, of, of a lot of these women from the Indian subcontinent didn't was no use because they couldn't read that. Well, I'm sorry, but we're, if we're going to have disease outbreaks because we're importing people who aren't educated and don't speak the language, I think that's worth talking about without people going, oh, I don't want anyone to think I'm a bad person. I think that's that's relevant. Um, Benedict Spence, I know you want to come in. Oh, As one of those so, people hit by the high so many things, the So many things, uh, aspects to this that irritate and worry me. I mean, one big thing that stood out for me is that a third of, one of the largest migrant populations in this country is people from Bangladesh, and over a third of them live in social housing, to which you have to say, I'm sorry, what if you're coming here to work and you're actually what able you to, housing, what on earth are you doing in social housing? There shouldn't be a, sing, a single one. As far as I'm aware, Bangladesh is not a place that we're taking mass amounts of refugees from. It's not at war with anybody. But, you know, on a similar, similar thing, another part of the world where we take a lot of people from, India and Pakistan. We've seen earlier this year, uh, sorry, last year, with uh, the outbreak of hostilities between Israel uh, uh, and Hamas in Gaza, the depth of feeling that a lot of uh, people of migrant backgrounds feel towards this. What happens in this country if a war breaks out between India and Pakistan? What happens, actually, if you've got millions, and it is millions of people, who suddenly find themselves diametrically opposed to another ethnic group that they live in the same country as? What do they do? Do they start fighting each other here? Do they start putting pressure well, on the British government to take a We've already seen that with, the, with, with the pro-Palestinian movement and, and, and Jewish people. Well, we've, again, something that people don't want to talk about. When people talk about the rise in anti-Semitism mm. and the anti-Semitic attacks, who is, com yeah. who is doing that? But there is one and it, more. I, we know who's doing it. But there is one more thing that we need to bear in mind. Now, over the past couple of weeks, we've had lots of headlines in this country about how the armed forces aren't properly staffed and we may need to bring in conscription or whatever. Put that to one side. The main bulk of the workforce in this country is now being made up or increasingly being made up of people being imported into this country yeah. to do that. People of working age, fighting age. 
how many of them are going to stay in this country if we find ourselves at war with Russia? How many of those people are going to say, oh, yes, I'll absolutely sign up and die for the British Army? Or how many of them, many of whom will have said, oh, I'm a refugee, will find themselves on the first flight back home? At what point then uh, do we then turn around uh, and say, hang on, we haven't got a Labour force anymore because they're fleeing? I, I have a funny feeling that actually an awful lot of Brits, given our conversation about this last mm. week, wouldn't fight either. Um, really interested to talk to both of you about this. Um, I do stay to listen to what the callers are saying, though. Um, Gavin Rice, thank you for that. Um, we are asking about this with mass immigration pushing the UK's population to 70 million by 2026. What's your reaction? You can give us a call, 0344-499-1000, text on 8722, or get in touch on X at Talk TV. Shana says, our government is failing us all. Carrie Ann says maybe stop funding wars and stealing other countries' natural resources. Then just maybe there would be no need for people to mass immigrate. That's sweetheart. That's not why they're doing that. This, it's like people moving for climate change. No, they're not. They're coming for a better economic life. Um, Barry says, how will this affect our beloved carbon footprint? Get to the nub of the issue. You've also been getting in touch on the phones. Keep those calls coming in. Let's go to John, who's in Newcastle. Hello, John. Uh, hello. Uh, thank you for having me on your... No, program. you're very welcome. What do you want to say? What's your reaction to those stats? One or two points, sweetheart, if I may, on this, uh, our, our fantasy island. Uh, <laughs> basically, car insurance, there's a million people not paying it now, so when, it, you know, these car insurance companies are going to hype up the price of it. What's That's that got to do point. with anything? No, wait a moment. BBC licence, another million people don't pay it, but everybody else has to. Now we'll get to... What happened the other day, the Archbishop uh, of Canterbury said immigrants are welcome. Well, we're only a small island compared to France and Germany and yeah, Spain. Yeah. And we're only a small island, and how many can we take here? And, and why do these people, uh, they're allowed to come across here because this government is pathetic. Mind, it will be followed by another pathetic government by the look of things, but never mind. When they get across here... Um, they, they get into three square meals a day, thirty-eight pounds spending money a week. No, 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 no. I'm going to stop you. You're talking about illegal migrants coming over on the dinghies, which is not what we're talking. We're talking about the legal migrants who come here to work, to live, who are given visas by the government. Oh well, that's that's another thing. Uh, <laughs> I, I was just sorry. I've got, I've got the wrong end of the stick. No, don't worry. Don't thing. worry. I'll 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 leave. I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna leave it there because we're time up against time anyway. But thank you very much indeed, John. Appreciate that. Right. A big thanks to Gavin Rice. Uh, a, uh, he's the uh, director of Onwards Future of Conservatism Project. Also former SPAD uh, to uh, former Brexit secretary. The Julia Hartley Brewer Podcast. Ruthless but fair. Julia Hartley Brewer. Comprehensive coverage of all the new stories that matter to you. Harder, older, Hartley Brewer. The Julia Hartley Brewer Podcast from Talk Radio. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. 